tools for living, room to grow, a space of grace to become everything God wants us to be. You're listening to The Living Room Podcast with Joanna Weaver, episode 120. Wow, you guys, I just finished recording the episode that you're about to hear. I interviewed my new friend, Kia Stevens, and oh my goodness, it's powerful. We talk about her new book, Overcoming Father Wounds, and though she shares a lot of her own personal story, our conversation takes us to wounded places in every woman's heart. So be sure to listen to the end because I'm telling you what, Kia's prayer is really powerful. It's such a privilege to have you with us in the living room. Kia, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be with you and your listeners. Oh my goodness. Well, when your book came across my email desk, I'm like, I've got to have this girl on because your title and subtitle really speak to the heart of a lot of women. Can you tell us about it? Sure. Well, the title of my book is Overcoming Father Wounds, Exchanging Your Pain for God's Perfect Love. It released March 7th, uh, 2023 of this year. And, you know, people often ask me, why did you decide to write this book? Or what was the impetus behind writing the book? And honestly, it was a book that that I believe God chose for me, not a book I chose for myself. Uh, I've longed to write this book um, for many years, uh, more than 20 plus years. I, I first had the book idea when I was a senior in high school, and I believe God was nudging me to write this book. And so I actually did start writing a book. It was called The Void because I knew that there was um, an empty place, a, a vacant place in me that I was trying to fill at that time with relationships. And so I set out to write this book and wrote it off and on. And it would be years later when I would discover that the book I was writing was, in fact, about father wounds. And and so it, it's been a book that, that God deposited in my heart. And for many years, I tried to say, God, this is crazy. I'm a teacher. There's no... A publisher in sight. There's no agent in sight. There's no opening. Nobody knows who I am. Why do I feel this way? And that desire never left. It never left. And um, God opened all the doors. God opened all the doors. Mm. He paved the pathway. He did all the things. Oh, and don't you love it when he does it? And we're not the ones that are making it happen. Sometimes. <laughs> Maybe in the end, I love it when God does it. But I think initially there's frustration and there's uh, just a, a wrestling with control because I do want to do it. I want to do it myself. Yeah. I, I figured it out all in my head. I know how things should go um, according to my finite understanding. So it's not until in the end when I can look back and say, God's timing is perfect. He knew what he was doing. This is the absolute right time for me to publish this book. And, you know, in the end, I can say I love it when God does it. Hmm. I'm with you, girl. You, you said that so perfectly because I, too, have so many great ideas for God. And it's kind of kind of ironic because my latest book, I tried to write for 20 years as mm -hmm. well. Mm -hmm. But the timing of the Lord. Yeah. You tell a lot of your own personal story and your journey, um, just not having a father 
in that emptiness, that void that was left. But I think there are, we're kind of living in a time where there are a lot of fatherless women that, um, and I loved how you kind of just brought a lot of, a lot of different facets of that to the table. Can you unpack that term, father wound? Sure. You know, I spent so much time describing what was going on on the inside of me that I realized I did not give a a dictionary definition of father wound. But a father wound is synonymous with father absenteeism. And so a father can be absent in a myriad of ways by way of divorce, abandonment, abuse, incarceration, drug addiction, alcoholism, even a, a physically present father but an emotionally absent one. Because I think a lot of women, I used to, when I first started blogging, I would use this term fatherless. And a lot of women would say, well, I wasn't, I wasn't fatherless. I know who my dad is. He's in my life. He was around. But uh, when you begin to say father wound, when you take the word father, which already packs a punch, and then you pair it with the word wound, women can say, oh, well, I have one of those, you know, whether it was small in the grand scheme of things or it was large. It could have been that he called you fat or he said, are you going to wear that? Or is is that how, how you want your hair to look? Or maybe he never showed up at the volleyball games or maybe he said something unkind to your mother or maybe he never sat down and and spent time with you or talked to you about what to look for in a mate. Um, women. They know when it happened. They know where it happened. Some they know what they were wearing because the words of the father impact the hearts of children in memorable and oftentimes uh, ways that we never forget. Hmm. Tell us a little bit about your family and your relationship with your dad. So growing up, my father was not in my life. My parents got a divorce when I was three. And so I have some early memories with my dad of uh, going to visitation. I had visitation with him at a facility. And then after that, I, I have one recollection of having visitation with my dad at his apartment. And then after that, I have spotty memories of him dropping off gifts periodically for holidays and birthdays on the front porch of my grandparents' home. And I have one memory of him coming to um, take me to get a bicycle. And I remember getting the bicycle with him. So those are my formative year memories with my father. And so, you know, you don't really know anything else if you're not presented with something something different. And so for me, that was my normal. That was my normal. And I can remember uh, my first year in college, um, a friend of mine said she built a bookshelf with her dad. And for whatever reason, in that moment, when she said she built that bookshelf with her dad, it was like, wait a minute. I missed something. Hmm. I missed a relationship. I don't know why it hit me there. It could have been just being away from home or being so up close and personal in everyone's life, you know, and it was in that moment that everything came full circle for me. And I admitted for the first time, I'm not okay with the relationship or lack thereof that I have with my biological father. And I not only said that I left her dorm room 
I went to my room and cried about it. And I remember speaking with someone who was like a mentor for me uh, at that time. I write about this in my book and, and I shared everything. I was like, this is what happened. And she understood. Lo and behold, she understood. And she had also had an estranged relationship with her father. And so she begins to detail out all of the things that she did um, to invite her father back into her life. She told me she detailed all of the events of her life and said, from this point forward, I want to have a relationship with you. And so for me, that was a recipe for what I could do to now have a relationship with my dad. So I did that exact same thing. I detailed everything out from kindergarten all the way up to high school and said, I want to start from this point. My dad writes me back and and from that juncture, when I would come home from college, we would meet. I would initiate with my dad. I would call him and I would say, oh, do you want to go out to eat or can you come over to the house? I did all the things to try and build a relationship with my father because it was something that I desperately wanted. And I also thought at that time I was enough. Hmm. I thought that I could be enough to manifest this relationship that I had, I had wanted in my life. Yeah. And you, you kind of go on and tell more about that in the book, which I, I so appreciate. But I think about that woman who's on the other end listening, and they're going, okay, yeah, this is kind of pricking some stuff. Mm-hmm. How did that father wound play out? What was some of some of the things that made you realize, oh, I really am not okay. There's something missing. You go on to write about that story and about how how that wonderful uh, fairy tale reunion didn't necessarily fill that father hole. But what were some of the things that all of a sudden you begin to piece together and go, okay, maybe some of the things that I've walked through is related to this father wound? Sure. Uh, yeah, you know, in that meeting, it was very, it was a revelation for me that people are who they are. Now, this was a lesson that had to be cemented in me over and over again, because I'm a dreamer. I'm a, I'm a, I am a dreamer's dreamer. So I always have these grandiose ideas in my head of how things are going to go and how things are going to work out. But in that actual meeting, I realized, Oh, building a relationship with my dad is going to take time. He's a whole person. We don't really know each other. There's an age gap. There's a gender gap. There is a cultural gap because uh, my father is uh, was born and raised in Haiti, and and here I am, American. You know, so there's just so many differences between us, and um, I don't think I entertained that. Uh, initially, when I wrote out that letter, <laughs> you know, I was so idealistic. And so the journey began to build this relationship with my dad. And honestly, I think the light bulb started to come on in terms of issues that I was experiencing in my life that were impacted by the absence of my dad uh, when I got married, Mm. (laughs) you know, because marriage is like what people say, putting two pieces of sandpaper together and, and watching the sand fly. And I remember going to counseling um, because for, for myself, and I remember the counselor saying, have you written a forgiveness letter to your father? 
And I was like, well, I know I haven't. And why do I even need to if he wasn't there? What do I have to to forgive? And so I had access to a forgiveness letter, which I do have the template inside of my book uh, for this particular forgiveness letter. And when I sat down to write it, I had such a flood of emotion that came out when I started to um, enumerate the the times I wanted him there and the ways I wanted him to be there. I wanted you to be there to interrogate my dates. I wanted you to be there to, to take me to school on the first day. And I wanted you to pick me up. I wanted you to be present. Yeah. And all of this stuff that I had never verbalized to anyone, I had never penned it in a journal, started to erupt out of me, you know, as I'm writing out this forgiveness letter. And I really could not finish writing it in one sitting. And then when I did finish writing it, the other uh, counseling technique that I talk about in my book is an empty chair where you imagine that the person you are forgiving is sitting in, in, in a chair in front of you and you sit in, um, across from that chair and you read out that forgiveness letter. And I couldn't do that in one sitting. Um, and so that was, you know, one, that experience of having that counselor say, have you written a forgiveness letter? You know, and I, I do believe that it was the sovereignty of God that my healing and, and the revelation of things that I missed for, in my development because of the absence of my father, I believe it's the sovereignty of God that I got it in bits and pieces and not all at one time. Because if I had gotten it all at one time, it probably would have been too overwhelming for me. It would have, you know, it would have probably broken me to to a place of, you know, I don't know if I could make it through it. But God showed me bits and pieces along the way through a lot of counseling, um, programs, books that I read, um, and even writing this book and starting my first blog, the Father Swap blog, as I was writing, God was healing. As I was writing, God was revealing. As I was writing, God was growing me. So it's, it's hard to put this into a linear journey for the listener to understand or for people to understand because it was so much a cyclical spider web type of of transformative um, experience for me. And uh, it took place during that 20 plus year period. Yeah. And I love that you say that because don't we all want the formula? You know, it's like, okay, Kia, tell me to do this and this and this. Okay, I'll write that note to my dad and everything. It'll be the magic wand and everything will be fine. But life just isn't like that. And I found that's not how God works either. It's almost like he goes, I always have felt like he takes us at a pace we can go. Yeah, And he goes, okay, we're going to deal with with this. And then you're going to think it's completely unrelated, but we're going to deal with this. Definitely. Yeah. You know, I was telling you before we went on that even though I, I, I feel so blessed to have such an incredibly loving father who was very, very supportive and very present. He was very human, but very present. And yet I can look and see that sometimes I had a hard time relating to God the Father. Yeah. And it does, didn't make sense because I had this wonderful relationship with my earthly father. But I do, 
I do, as I was even looking through your book and seeing how it affected your marriage, because don't we think that someone somewhere is going to be able to fill that hole? Yeah. But I too had to come to the end and go, wait a minute, I'm looking in the wrong places. Can you talk about that father swap that we need to do? Sure. You know, well, I discovered this in church. Let me say that, um, that the minister was speaking and he was saying that if you have angst towards your biological father prior to getting married, it's common to take that anger and um, redirect it towards a spouse. And so I'm Mm. sitting in the service. This is just a regular Sunday service. And it was like, wait, what did he just say? <laughs> you know, um, that that's what I mean, how I would just get bits and pieces. And it was like, oh, mind blown, new revelation. And I think when you take that over into marriage, there's a lot of things that you start to redirect towards your spouse. If you were longing for for daddy to, to dote on you or to affirm you or to validate you, tell you you're beautiful, you know, give you gifts, do all these different things, it's easy. It's it's a natural progression almost to redirect those mm-hmm. those desires and those longings that went unmet and unfulfilled to your spouse and not even know that you're doing it, doing it and not even know how to distinguish between what would be healthy and 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 normal or reasonable for a wife to um desire from her spouse and then what is moving into that um unhealed child you know or those unhealed right. hurt the unhealed hurt places Honestly, I still have to sit down and decipher between the thoughts that are going on in my head and say, is this reasonable? Are you being unreasonable? Are you trying to extract um, Mm. your father's affirmation from your husband right now? You know, are you doing too much? Um, And so I, I think that what counseling did for me and what reading books and Bible reading and all that did, it illuminated the the reality that these conversations are going on in my head and that I do need to pause and I do need to stop and reflect and talk Mm. to God and, and allow the Holy spirit to, to show me where I am trying to derive my unmet needs from my spouse. And I need to go to God to get them, get them met. And, um, you know, I think that it doesn't mean I'm perfect at it. By any means. (laughs) (laughs) Me either. (laughs) By any means. But it does mean I at least have the awareness and I can at least stop and evaluate my behavior and my thoughts and say, you know, do I need to go to God with this? Um, Mm -hmm. So I want to offer that hope to women who are listening to me saying, I think I do uh, try to derive my needs, my unmet needs from my spouse. Um, you know, the book title is Overcoming. It's present progressive. Yeah. It doesn't mean that we've already arrived or by the time you finish the book, you will have arrived and you'll no longer uh, make the error in this way. It doesn't mean that. It means that um, we're all in process and we will continue to be in process, mm. as it says in um, Philippians 1, 6. You know, until we see yeah. Jesus face to face, we won't be completely changed and be like him. 
But I cling to Philippians 1.6, you know, that says, being confident of this, that he who has begun a great work in us shall be faithful until the day of Christ Jesus to complete it. And so I'm, I'm holding on to that. Amen. Amen. You know, I looking back at, at my life, it's just interesting. Um, and I think as parents, I don't know if you've gone through this, Kia, when you've gone through your your father wound, you know, sometimes being paralyzed by the thought, am I wounding my children irretrievably <laughs> because of my humanity? And I, I look at back at my story, you know, and my dad was so supportive, but there was this longing and my the the sentence I needed to hear that Joanna needed to hear was, you are beautiful, Joanna. Mm-hmm. And because he said all sorts of other words, but because he didn't say those words, there was a gaping hole. And it was, I I tried to get it from my husband and bless his heart. He's the best (laughs) man in the whole world. He... Our little Sheltie would meet him at the door and he'd he'd go, Oh, get down and go, Oh, you're so beautiful. Oh, I love you. And I'm like, if I if I panted and wagged my tail, would you tell me I was beautiful? Because there was a hole. And looking back, I almost wonder if the Lord didn't allow John mm. to meet that need. Wow. Because it was a need, a really underneath those words was a deeper need Mm -hmm. that he could only fill. How do we get in touch with that father who's the only father who can fill the holes in our soul? Mm -hmm. Such a good question. I love your illustration. Um, You know, for me, I veer off in the wrong direction often. (laughs) Me too. And it's not until I allow myself to read over the words of God and meditate over the words of God and spend time in his presence, am I able to think the way I should think. Uh, I I, I mean, I grew up in a church, so I know we all know the Romans um, 12 and 1, um, 1 through 2, is it, I think that's the right one, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but this is how you do it. Be transformed by yeah. the renewing of your mind. And renewing, I'm just now realizing it, it is also present progressive. It is also yeah. ongoing, which means it's not a one-time fix. So if we're in this place of, tell me I'm beautiful, tell me I'm beautiful, tell me I'm beautiful, tell me I'm beautiful, which is the pattern of this world because our father never said we were beautiful. So I am in this relationship and I'm waiting on you to tell me that I'm beautiful. Then we need to find the scripture in the word of God. Psalms 139 would probably be the great, a great place to begin. And we have to read over that over and over and over yeah. and over and over again. And if we can find a song that talks about Psalms 139, and if we can put it on our mirror and put it on our uh, in yeah. our car on the dashboard, we're going to have to renew our mind because the devil is also aware. He is also yeah. aware um, of that wound, you know, and mm. he will use a little, little dog. <laughs> use a little dog or he'll... <laughs> He'll, he'll use something. It'll be a sunset. And then the husband will say, oh, isn't that a beautiful sunset? And we're over here seething. I want you to say, I'm beautiful. You know, 
go back to the word of God, go back to the word of God. That's the only way that I know to uh, deal with the, the, the desires and the longing. Of course you can communicate. Of course you can communicate to your spouse and say, when I was growing up, my father never said I was beautiful and this is what I desire. But then you also do have to deal with the reality that that particular person that you're going to still may not have the capacity to say you are beautiful. That may not be in their their wheelhouse or their makeup. And isn't it funny that they rarely follow the script that we've subconsciously provided? And so if they don't say it exactly the way we need to hear it, we can't hear it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... it's- <laughs> So true. And God has a sense of humor, you know, um, but I I talk about it in my book. I have done so much cognitive behavioral therapy where you identify the thoughts that you're thinking and where it's driving your behavior. And then you evaluate. Is that thought true? Does it line up with the word of God? Can I find a scripture that will support these thoughts that I'm thinking? And if I'm if I can't, then it is not true. And if it's not true, where did it come from? Where did it where yeah. did it originate? Um, mm-hmm. So there are uh, un, undealt with hurts and um, unhealed wounds. And and then we have a supernatural enemy and all those things <laughs> mixed together. And it could have came from one of those places, you know. And so it, it requires us to think about the thoughts that we're thinking about and to yeah. ask the tough question of where did that thought come from? Because our thoughts drive our behavior. And so that's my answer, you know, my roundabout answer to what you were saying about what do we do? What do we what do we do yeah. about that wound? We take it to the foot of, of the cross, you know? Yes. Um, Jesus died for us to be saved. Thank you, God. But he also died for our minds to be renewed. And I'm so grateful because I would be up a creek without a paddle if he didn't. (laughs) Amen. Amen. And, you know, I think if we understand that the Father's heart from from the very first moment of creation was all about relationship— that he longs. He did not call us to be slave girls. He called us to be daughters. And I think so many times in our workspace, at least for me, I think my workspace Christianity, I had settled for a slave girl mentality. Like I had to work to please God rather than understanding he chose. And I just want to say that over someone today. He chose you. It's no accident that you responded to the wooing of the Holy Spirit. He chose you because He loves you and He knows you. And I just kept hearing as you were speaking the words of Song of Solomon where the bridegroom says, All beautiful you are, my beloved. There is no flaw in you. Yeah. And I think if we could if we could exalt God's opinion above our opinion or other people's opinion and like you just said, okay, wait a minute. I look in the mirror, I'm not seeing it. <laughs> but you say. <laughs> yeah. You say. And so I'm going to receive that and I'm going to live from the security mm-hmm. of belonging mm-hmm. rather than that lie that I have to earn it. Yeah. Oh, any other things that just are on your heart that you'd like to share, Kia, about this? I would just like to offer hope, honestly, 
when you get to this place with a particular issue that you spent so much time dealing with, sometimes you can forget about the tears and about the anger Mm -hmm. and about the frustration and about the dysfunction that existed for so long. When you get yeah. to the play, the overcome or the overcoming more more deeper into the overcoming, sometimes you can forget. And I, at, after writing this book, I've done so much reflecting back and and trying to challenge myself to remember mm-hmm. how how much God has done in me. You know, um, so I just want to say that because. I don't know where this podcast or this YouTube video will hit different people. You may be denying that you have father wounds. You may be ignoring that you have father wounds. You may be frustrated and angry and mad at your father. You may be perfectly fine with your father. But if if you're on the other end of the continuum where you're frustrated, I just want to say that there's hope that God can work in the most dysfunctional of situations. Uh, I've seen him do that in my life and one of the things that I share in my book is that my father wasn't in my life because he he struggled with alcohol. And so Mm. um, at the end of my book, which is, I guess, spoiler alert, (laughs) but I I go and um, um, the publisher wanted me to get an information release form signed by my dad because I shared that he has alcoholism or he struggled with alcoholism. And so I go to Fort Worth to pick up my dad and we go out to eat and I pulled out my laptop computer and began reading portions of my book that pertain to my dad to him because I I reason he probably wasn't going to read it anyways which I don't think he was um he hasn't to this day he hasn't read it but I read to him everything that um I thought he would want to know and so I read it in chunks and I said dad are you okay with that and he said yep sure do that's the way it happened Then I read another chunk to him and he said, I said, Dad, are you okay with that? He said, yep, sure do. That's the way it happened. And um, then I got to the part where I said my dad missed every first and last day of school, every volleyball game, every he never went to a track meet. He never did this, never did that. And finished that paragraph. I look up and my dad has tears streaming down his face. And um, he says, I owe you an apology because alcoholism robbed me of my life. And so here I am, what, 40-something or 30, I'm 40-something. My dad is in his 70s. I didn't know that that was coming. I, I wasn't anticipating that. I was just doing my due diligence to honor my father and get that information release form signed. And I'm so grateful. One, that he said it, which I didn't need it at that time. Yeah. There was nothing that I desired from my dad. But then, two, that I had enough wherewithal to say, it's okay, Dad. We all have things that we struggle with. And we do. We all have things that we struggle with. That is the beauty of what God has done in my heart. No more bitterness, no more anger, no more frustration, no more um, raised fist with an IOU um, saying, this is what this is what I'm do. I'm do this. And and I was there. I Mm. was there. I lived anger. I lived rage. I lived frustration. I lived sorrow. I lived depression. I lived comparison with other families and why not me and why don't I have that? And I lived it. 
You know, I want people to understand. I don't want people to look at me and say, oh, that's the girl with the pink book, Overcoming Father Wounds. Good for you, Kia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rah, rah, rah. You know, I don't want people to look at me like that because you can't just write a book, Overcoming Father Wounds, without having lived it. I lived it. That's right. That's right. And so I, I want people to know that what God has done in my life, He most certainly can do in yours. It may not look the same way. It may not even have a bow, but the transformative work of how God can take a person's heart that is hard and cold and black and marred and change it and make it a heart of flesh. I want people to know he did that for me. And um, as I'm, I'm as I'm wrapping it up, you know, the story is still being written. I was I did a podcast the other day. I wanted to say, I feel like I need to write another chapter. I feel like I need <laughs> to write another chapter of this book because um, this summer, my husband and I and our kids we went out to back to Texas, and I had the most amazing experience. Went to church, and then after church, we went out to eat. Me. My mom, my dad, my aunt, my two kids, and my husband. We sat around the table, and it was like I was having an out-of-body experience. (laughs) I was like, oh, my goodness. Look at this. Look what God Mm. did. Look Mm. what God did with this family that you thought was so beyond the reach of God. Look what he did. My mom's 80, my, my, my aunt's in her 80s, my dad's in his 70s, I'm in my 40s. It takes time. It mm. takes God time. We want God to be instant. I prayed it, now work. Yeah, yeah. But, he, but, but God is a slow cooker. He's a slow <laughs> cooker. You know, he's, he's, um, he's a crock pot. Yeah. It takes time, uh, not all the time, but a lot of time because he's changing yeah. me. He's changing the other people around me. He's changing all the parties involved. He's changing circumstances. He's rearranging things so that yeah. when the outcome, you finally get the outcome. It's amazing. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's far greater than anything we could have asked for or imagined. Amen. Amen. Oh my goodness. This has been so powerful, Kia. I'm just bawling over here. But um, I would love to have you pray over those who are listening because I think I think you're so right. When it doesn't happen right away, yeah. we just assume it's never gonna happen. But our God is a redeemer and he loves. He loves to make all things new. So would you pray? Yeah. Oh God. I thank you, Lord, for being real. I thank you, God, for meeting us exactly where we are. God, that you don't have prerequisites when it comes to coming to you. If we're angry or bitter or hurting, if we're wounded, if we're depressed, if we are mired in sin, if we're drunk, God, if we're hungover, Lord, if we are in adultery, Father, 
if we, wherever we find ourselves, and for some of us, we find ourselves in those places as byproducts of our woundedness. Because Mm. we long to hear someone say we were beautiful. And we long to hear someone say we were valuable and we were precious. And the person who said it only wanted to use us. God, for some of us, that's how we got to the place that we are in. God, thank you that you have no prerequisites, but you have Mm. open arms of love and acceptance and everything we long to hear. God, you have been saying it to us, God, that we are beautiful in your sight. God, that you formed us in our mother's womb. God, that you see us. You are the God who sees God. And so I pray for every woman that is listening to me at the sound of my voice, God, if they uh, know they have a father wound, if they're just now coming to that understanding that they have one, God, wherever they are on the continuum, Lord, I'm asking you to meet them and meet them lavishly that they might know they are having an encounter with the King of Kings, Mm -hmm. the Lord of Lords Mm -hmm. and our heavenly Father God. And I pray that they would be different, God, that they would have honest conversations with you and the and, and the wounds, about the wounds that they've experienced in their life. And God, that you would transform their hearts, not just their hearts, my heart too, God. Lord, in ways where we have written certain areas of our lives off and said, oh, God can't do anything about mm. this. Lord, I'm asking you to do immeasurably more than we could ask, think, or imagine. I honor you, God, yes. because you are the heart changer, the heart fixer. You are the lover of our souls. God, you are our heavenly father. And it's in Jesus' mighty name that I pray these things. Amen. 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 I really believe that the Lord is here with us right now, and he wants to heal some wounded places in your heart that this episode has kind of uncovered. All you have to do is give him access. Just lay your pain before him and give him permission to extract any infection or soul cancer that may have grown up around that wound. For as you allow him to surgically extract that wound, he's going to fill that father hole with himself. And he's going to reassure your heart what's always been true that you are deeply loved and highly treasured. If you'd like to learn more about overcoming father's wounds and Kia's ministry, go to joannaweaverbooks.com forward slash 120. And be sure to share this episode with a friend. It's going to be available on my YouTube channel so you can see Kia's lovely face as well as my tears. And you can also find some other powerful Living Room Podcast episodes. You can find my channel at youtube.com forward slash Joanna Weaver. Until next time, what if we just let the Father love us? Until next time, I just want to propose, let's let the Father love us. If we were together right now, I'd take your face in my hands and I'd look deep in your eyes and I'd whisper what God is shouting over your life right now. You are beautiful. You are unique and precious. You are deeply loved. And it has nothing to do with your qualifications. It's not because of what you do or don't do or what you've done or what's been done to you or what you have or do not have. It's because you simply belong to God. 
So live out of that full acceptance, my friend. For as you do, you'll find yourself living and loving and leading like Jesus. That's the power of the Father love.